Shut Up, I'm Talking presents Shit Movie Review with Matt Powers and Larry King Guy. This movie is shit. We're here for a Shit Movie Review. Yes. This time the movie is Street Asylum, hey. directed by Gregory Dark. You should never get another job directing ever again. Let's not foreshadow. Oh, okay. Like, I guess shit movie review kind of gave it away. Yeah, okay, yeah. And now this one is starring the one and only, the greatest of all time, Wingshauser. All right, don't build him up too much. (laughs) (laughs) You can't build him up too much. You know, he's not just an actor. No, of course not. Nor is he just a pretty face. Is he a millionaire (laughs) philanthropist? (laughs) He's also a musician and singer. Ooh, I did not know that. You can go on uh, YouTube. I have it up right here. I won't play it because it's, you know, it's Thank copyright. You. He put out an album in 1975. Did he really? Now, he didn't go by Hauser. Hauser, I hardly knew her. He went by... He went by Doogie. <laughs> Ahead of his time. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce this. Livin', L- Livin' Right. Oh, Livin' Right. Oh, he just... That's lame. It is. L-I-V-I-N-R-Y-T-E. Wings Livin' Right. Jesus, what an asshole. Well, anyway, he put out this album called Your Love Keeps Me Off the Streets. No. Well, I will get your word for it because I will never listen to that. Listen, for a, what is, he would be a C-list actor, wouldn't he? Or would he be B? Let's give him B. No, he's D-list if he's lucky. No. Yes. You can't be the star of a movie and be D-list, can you? Yeah, you can. It got wide release, this movie. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, at least one of the movie theaters had a wide screen. Okay. But yeah, he had a, an album in 1975. That, that kind of tells you how old he is now. He'd give a run for, say, a, a Bruce Willis album? I would say he's more of a uh, Don Johnson. Or even a, uh, what's his name from Baywatch? Oh, oh David Hasselhoff. There you go. He's He's a monster. Yes. There you go. I was going to say you're a little off with Don Johnson because uh, Wingshauser is so handsome compared to uh, to Don Johnson. But uh, yes, I think David Hasselhoff, that's a perfect comparison. Thank you. Except Wings living right. Jesus. <laughs> he only put out the one album. This will tell you something. Guess who he dedicated the album to? Uh, I don't know. L. Ron Hubbard. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> Oh, okay. Now you know why it was made. Yeah, L. Ron Hubbard. <laughs> That's horrible. <laughs> I just read that. I didn't even realize that until just now. L. Ron Hubbard. <laughs> We've heard it all now. 1975. Yeah. How old are you then, like 20? Ah. <laughs> yeah. I hey, just graduated college that year. And... <laughs> People ask me, man, why, why do you keep doing this? Why do you keep doing this? I said, well, because. Because I look for the best in humanity, and I very rarely find it. <laughs> Haven't found in Larry King guy yet. Nope. There's still hope. <laughs> Jeez. All right, well, that's Wings Hauser. He's the star of the movie. If you can call it that. You what? could literally, I could get some kids off the street and my phone and make a better movie than this. Now, at the end of this, we're going to rate it. We're going to give, I guess, like a one to ten. Oh. Okay. But don't do not do it now. It's going to be a little surprise for you around that one. Is it? Mm. Now you're going to change your mind? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. 
Another guy, the, the opening of the movie begins with this character actor, Brian James. Everybody knows him. As soon as you see his face, you know exactly who Brian James is. Uh, he was uh, Leon in, in Blade Runner. Right. Right. He didn't know what a turtle was. He which yeah. gave him away. He didn't know what a turtle was because he thought it was Godzilla. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> How many episodes can we use that in? I don't know. <laughs> the Fifth Element, one of my favorite movies, the Cabin Boy. It was uh, Chris Elliott. Oh, yeah. That was a good movie. Tango and Cash. <laughs> okay. I don't remember that. <laughs> he said excitedly. <laughs> 48 Hours. Another 48 Hours. No. Oh. And is I was. Dead? Yes, he is. Is he really? Long that's dead. Too, well, that's too bad. Long, long dead. So, and I'm reading this. This might be one of the saddest things. I, what I've, killed him? I've read. We'll get to it. This movie? No, he he lived uh, ten more years. Oh, yeah. No, that is unfortunate. Okay. So it, I read this just a few minutes ago. <laughs> this is sad. No, I almost sound sincere. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's buying it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he's dead. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and then this is a quote from 1999, August 1999. And he's talking about acting and how he learned the craft and how to build a character. So here's the quote. I know now in my 50s with Robert Duvall, Albert, Robert Finney and Gene Hackman, those guys are getting up there. It's my time. And I'm making sure that I push myself into their slot. So my best work's coming. Now, I'm not joking. Within days. He died of a heart attack. <laughs> August 7th, 1999. That, that sucks. The worst part is he's been rotting in hell ever since. No. See, that's wrong. Yeah, I know. So, <laughs> all right. Um, next on the list, Lisa Robbins. She plays Bernie the uh, prostitute. She was in uh, the Rum Diaries. That's a uh, Johnny Depp vehicle. Never saw it. That 70s show, and of course, Street Asylum. <laughs> Long storied career. Next, we have Harry Hart Brown, a hyphenated oh. last name. I, I think it's always weird when a man has a hyphenated last name. Why don't you choose one? Exactly. Uh, he played Alfie the Transvestite, who I think plays a very important role in this movie, even though it's a small part. He was also on, uh, let's see, Seinfeld, 1991, LA yeah. Law, Night Court, Hill Street Blues. We're going backwards now. And not in a good one. Uh, yeah, and that's it. Next, we have James Bolt, and he played Teen Jesus. He was also in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Really? Is what? That's who? Greg. Greg? Yeah, don't you remember Greg? Oh, yeah, I do. He was the blonde-headed guy uh, with glasses, and he was the one that got uh, Hamilton fired from the burger place. Oh, okay. I don't know who that is. What happened to him? He's doing this kind of stuff. Well, it works work. I guess. Then we have Roberta Vasquez. Now, she plays Kristen. The girlfriend, right? Yes, the girlfriend of Sergeant Arliss Ryder. Now, <laughs> I'm not going to bother with her uh, biography here, her filmography, because it's it's not much. She is best known, and this was before the movie. She was the centerfold and playboy in November 1984. Yes. And I've been trying to find pictures, and all I can find are... Teasing shots of cleavage. Just think it's wrong. Show them titties. That's right. And they tease you in the movie because in one scene, she's she's coming out of the bedroom and she's naked, but she can't really see. And then she picks up a sheet that's for some reason in the middle of the fucking hallway. 
And then she covers up like a bitch. Don't you leave your sheets in the hallway? Yeah, this is where I put mine. Oh, yeah. I mean, always strewn out all across the floor. Yeah. Yeah. I don't fold shit. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Next is Marie Chambers. She played Dr. Weaver Kane. She was the, uh, yeah, the doctor for the uh, police force there. Yeah. She had a, her own little clinic where they would take the various police officers. I have figured out a certain something about her character that I think is going to surprise you. But we'll, we'll get to that later on. She's a man. Um, no. No. No, pretty sure. She, she was a man. No. Started out that way, but didn't finish. <laughs> <laughs> she was in The Bonfire of the Vanities, 1990. Never saw it. Columbo. I'm just going to guess that's a reboot because it was 1991. Yeah. Babylon 5. I have seen that. Star Trek Voyager. Yeah, I have seen that. And The X-Files. I've seen that, too. Wow. Now somebody, finally somebody I can recognize. Next is Alex Cord. Plays. Him I know from his multiple appearances on uh, Love Boat and Fantasy Island. Now, see, I'm, I'm about to wreck your recollection of life. Why? There's no mention of that in his biography. Well, he was there, trust me, uh, uh, many times. That's Long career. He died August 8, 2021 at age 88. Good for him. So his uh, career spanned from 1961 all the way to 2009. And he, he was on Love Boat. And, I'm just, uh, it's not mentioned in his biography. Yeah, you know what? I'm telling you. What... Laramie Ben Casey. Bob Hope presents the Chrysler Theater. Gunsmoke. Mission Impossible. The FBI. Police Story. Police Woman. Hey, Pepper Johnson. The Six Million Dollar Man. Another great show. Oh, here it is. The Love Boat. No. See, how dare you call me a liar? I didn't. I said you were wrong. He played Hank Weller and Mr. Barnett. Yes, six uh, six episodes. I stand corrected again. Here's Fantasy Island. Here he played three different characters: hmm. Paul Horner, Captain Juan Arguello, and Ramos. R A R A hyphen M A S. Uh, he was also in Airwolf, Murder She Wrote, Simon and Simon, Freddy's Nightmares, the TV series, Jake and the Fat Man. Hey, hey now. These are the upper echelon TV shows. Kung Fu, the legend continues. Another great show. Here's one. He had to be in Walker, Texas Ranger. I like any TV show that has a comma in the title. And then some other stuff I've never heard of. All right, so that's Alex Cord. Hey, he's the courtiest. Next, we have Jesse Doran. Jesse Doran. He played Detective Stoddard. Yes. His career goes from 1979 when he was in The Incredible Hulk. Hey. And he played a very important role in the in that uh, episode, Vendetta Road, 1979. He played Guard. There you go. Charlie's Angels. He had a character with an actual name. Fantasy Island. Staying Alive. He played Mark. Do you remember Mark? Hill Street Blues. Cat's uh, Eye. Well, that was a movie, right? That was a Stephen King movie. Wise Guy. That was a good show. All My Children. Sequest, 2032. Law and Order Special Victims Unit. And uh, anything but love, whatever the fuck that was. Oh, and it, here's a, I don't know if it's a TV show or a, a movie. It's called Heart, and his character's name was Diddy, ahead of his time. Next on the list, Cy Richardson. He played Joker Tatum. So he has a long career here, uh, lots of credits. 1977 to 2020. Uh, nothing of note. Wow, it's a lot of nothing. Well, that's enough of him who gives a shit. Anyway, he played Joker Tatum. 
Next on the list, Jesse Aragon. He played Raton, and uh, he died shortly before the movie was released, before uh, Street Asylum was released. What happened to him? He died. <laughs> what did he die of? Oh, uh, something. Full-blown death. <laughs> yeah. He just suddenly stopped breathing one day and wouldn't start. <laughs> oh, he missed his greatest role. He missed it. And he was working from 1977 on. He was in Beretta, The White Shadow. Good show. Barney Miller, Different Strokes. <laughs> Quincy, Emmy, Knight Rider, Sledgehammer. Remember that one? Uh, Yes, I do. That was good. And that's it. We're going to save the best for last. This gentleman, unfortunately, died in 2021. 90 years old when he died. The one and only G. Gordon Liddy. He plays police chief Jim Miller in Street Asylum. I didn't know he was the police. I couldn't understand what his job was. Yeah, police chief. He was running for me. Oh, but he had a, a pretty good acting career for, uh, for an FBI agent. He was an airwolf, yeah. Miami Vice, the highwayman, the new adventures of Beans Baxter. Super Force, the TV movie and the TV series. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, late line, 18 Wheels of Justice. Can you believe that only lasted two seasons? I never heard of it, so yeah, I'm surprised. I remember hearing the name. I believe it was a gentleman who was driving a tractor trailer. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the uh, full list of the main characters in uh, Street Asylum. I found a succinct summary of the uh, movie. I thought we'd put this in front, and then we'll start discussing it, and then maybe start talking about some scenes. All right. All right. Street Asylum, 1990. This cop isn't losing his mind. It's being taken from him. In the bleak near future, Los Angeles has become a dangerous war zone with cops pitted against assorted law-breaking lowlifes. Sergeant Arliss Ryder has an electronic device put into his back that turns him into an out-of-control psychotic killer. Put out on the Strike Squad, an acronym for Scum Quelling Assault Urban Division which is a unit of crazed cops assigned by Captain Bill Quinton to rid the city of angels of criminals by any means necessary. The only problem is that Arliss discovers what's going down and decides to put a stop to all this madness. I think it's a fair enough summary. Yeah, that's good enough. What about the movie struck you? What, what were you thinking about uh, when you, you were thinking well, about discussing this? My first question is, why am I watching this again? This is the worst garbage I've ever seen. Oh, come on. It's confusing. I don't know. I don't even know what the, the plot is. Nice. I have an advantage because I've watched it at least 15 times. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I could barely get through it the second time. And every time I watched it, I'm not going to say it made it good, but I understood the movie a little bit more. Like I say, if you watch it one time, it's a piece of shit and you, you laugh at it and you move on. But if you watch it for some odd reason, multiple times, it begins to make a little more sense. It's still not a good movie, but it's not as bad as it seems watching it one time. Okay. All right. So the movie opens like this. It starts off with the street preacher, played by Brian James, right? Yes. Now, I ain't no sissified preacher. I am just an old pastor. Heaven sent, sin killing, blood bought, God given, Jesus loving preacher, and I have come to save your soul. 
And I think he plays a pivotal role. I think he is one of the main characters in the movie, even though he's only on screen for maybe a minute, minute and a half. But his character, I think, is vitally important to the entire movie. And then it goes into the opening credits. And the opening credits have G. Gordon Liddy delivering this speech, kind of setting the stage for the movie. We are facing a crisis. Our streets are overrun by thieves, homosexuals, drug dealers, prostitutes, pornographers, scouts. And it'll get worse before it gets better. But it will get better if you and I and every decent citizen strike back. Fellow citizens, in the name of decency, let us strike back. And then you just see the, the video of bad things happening in a city. And then it goes into nighttime on a street corner, uh, on a long street, and uh, up pulls Sergeant Arliss Ryder. And he is an apathetic cop. He doesn't really give a shit. He's just going through the motions. And there's some prostitutes, and he calls one over, and he, that's where he meets Bernie. He lets her put her spiel like trying to get him to bang her. A little out of your territory tonight, sweetheart. That's right, baby. Well, keep it moving, baby. Oh, shit. I'm sorry, I forgot. Don't walk the decent people's streets. Just suck their decent All right, look, cops. listen, listen. Do me a favor. Take it on down. Maybe you'd like to take it down with me. No. Call me Bernie. Because mm. I'll burn you down. Come on, don't you want some of this? Doesn't it look good? Come on, baby, you know you want it. Ooh, it feels so good. Come on, baby. Then he gets out of his police uh, cruiser, and he goes, I really don't want to arrest you, so just move it along. And so she goes down. He walks down the street, and, and there's some more prostitutes. He moves them along. And then he comes to an alleyway, and he hears some noise, and he puts a spotlight, and he sees this couple in the alleyway fucking. <laughs> And he just turns the light off, smiles, and walks away. <laughs> yeah. Right, next, we meet Alfie the transvestite. Now, when did we stop using the term transvestite? I haven't heard that in at least a decade. I don't know. You're absolutely right. Why, do, why, do I, why can't you say transvestite or tranny? Well, tranny, th would that be transvestite? I the tranny so. was transgender. Sometimes. I don't know. You wouldn't call uh, uh, Corporal Klinger from MASH transgender or whatever. He's a transvestite. Yeah, he's a tranny. That was the whole joke. He was a tranny. Well, let's look. I, I want to know what tranny stands for, really. Because if it's just transvestite, I mean, tranny. Uh, transgender, yeah. Tranny yeah. is a uh, uh, term for a transgender individual. Yeah. So I think a transvestite is just transvestite. Hmm. So wherein lies the problem? I don't understand. There have to still be transvestites. These are questions that I can't answer. They're too <laughs> complex. I don't know. <laughs> With used your, to be, they used to just call them gay. But they're not. Klinger it wasn't, makes, makes Klinger wasn't gay. Sense. What? Get out of here. He most certainly was. Klinger? Yeah, of course. He marries, he marries a Korean woman at the end of the series. Yeah, and what was her name? What the fuck does that make a difference? Yeah, her name was Beard. Okay. Get out of here. Nothing gay about Klinger. No, it was it was Radar. He's gay. Radar, yeah, he was gay too. <laughs> He's fucking that teddy bear. <laughs> yeah, it's, he had a deformed hand. Oh yeah, that's true. I saw a picture of him. He was on the Battle of the Network Stars, and he had a. Oh, it was like a club. I was like, wow, I didn't know they let him have weapons. Oh no, 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 that's his hand. <laughs> they hated him too. Who the all the Mash? people on Mash? Yeah, apparently he was just an asshole when he left. Yeah, like, I thank goodness. It. I'm watching uh, a few months ago, I was watching on YouTube, uh, it was uh, Password, 
And so he gives an answer and Gene Rayburn gives him a little shit. Yeah. And he literally goes, Gene, the only reason I'm on here is because you needed somebody and I was available. I don't have to be here. <laughs> right on the show. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's nice. It was the best part of the of the show. That was a piece of shit game show. Not Password. What was the one where they had oh, the match, match, match game? That was garbage. Yes. That was a piece of shit. It was Gene Rayburn who would do some stupid voice. He was always horrible at it. Come Dracula said, Washington, D.C. is a dangerous place. Last night, the man from the blank tried to suck my blood. <laughs> he set him up for the joke. And then it was about two minutes of crosstalk as all the celebrities spoke to one another and ignored Gene as he kept talking. Yeah. And then it was one lame joke after another. It's like you just give the, the real answer and then wait for Charles Nelson Riley to uh, make everybody laugh. He was the only fucking funny one on there. Yeah. Except for Betty White. She had some good lines. She was still fucking Alan Ludden at the time, so. Well, why wouldn't she? she they were married. <laughs> well, you know, he got elderly before she did. Maybe. Nah. She was still rude. ripe. Everything is rude. <laughs> I wonder where the last time she got dick was. Oh. <laughs> Who was president? <laughs> I'm going to guess Obama. <laughs> oh, she had nothing but money. She could get a prostitute. Okay. All right. Uh, We've already gone too far. She it. would say, give me a mushy dick like Alan did. No. <laughs> Mush it. Mush it. Oh, the great, great, uh, what was her name? Don't forget to cry. What? <laughs> <laughs> Before, during, and after. Yeah. Betty White. She was number one on your uh, your list of uh, the celebrities you would fuck out of the Golden Girls. Really? Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd already forgotten about that, but yeah, she was. I disagreed with your list, but she was at the top of the list there. If I if I had to of put that Golden list Girls? together, yeah, she would definitely be number one. At the age of her death, too. I would take Betty White at 99 over B. Arthur on her best day. <laughs> That's, not, That's not good. It's not. That is not a ringing endorsement for anything. <laughs> And after Betty White at 99, I would fuck an old shoe before I fucked oh. B. Arthur. B. <laughs> all right, well, let's get back to it. <laughs> Is there any joy in your life? <laughs> fuck. <laughs> let's get back to it so we can get this bullshit over with. That's yeah, all I, I heard. <laughs> Lord. Some dinner in a little bit. I got shit to do. <laughs> Every time we record, it's five hours. Why are you planning for anything after this? I don't know, but I forgot to eat beforehand, so now I get Well, oh, that's on you. I know. Didn't say it wasn't. I'm just saying that. Uh, you should know better by now. And yet, I don't. All right, so we're going to get to the main uh, scenes that introduce the characters and kind of propel us on to oh. the main action. Gotcha. Uh, then we have Alfie <laughs> the transvestite. Now, Alfie... You can't call gay. Why? Well, I don't know if he's gay. Well, you're not allowed to say that anymore for some reason. Well, I don't know if you can't say it. It just isn't said. Maybe, Why isn't it said? That's maybe transvestites is. just aren't very vocal about being transvestites. Oh, okay. I don't know. I yeah. don't know either. Ask a transvestite. Hey, if we have any transvestite listeners, drop us an email or a voicemail. Let us, let us know what's up. Yeah. So when uh, Sergeant Ryder is driving along and, and, or, and actually he's parked, and here comes uh, 
Alfie the transvestite, all hysterical, running up, wah, wah, just falls onto the ground. Oh, God. Oh, God. The Eden building is going to hurt himself. Who? Who? All of us. Everybody sooner or later. We're all right, all right, get out of the street. Get out of the street. <laughs> And completely directs to the very specific building where Sergeant Ryder should go. He drives over to this building and he sees this guy on the roof. And he calls it in. He goes, I've got a mental and gives the address. And they say, there's no backup. It's going to be 15 minutes. So he goes up the stairs and he, he finds Teen Jesus. Now, Teen Jesus, and I don't believe he was in his teens, but he has been crucified on a TV antenna. Yes. And it seems like he could take those hands off anytime he wanted. It's I not, didn't even think he was tired. I just thought he was holding on to it. No, no, he's crucified. His hands, it, it was poked straight through his hands. I missed that, too. I'm I don't back. I, I, I really, look into some Ritalin. <laughs> need to focus, man. I'd focus fine. Mm-hmm. So he comes upon Teen Jesus on the roof, and he's, uh, you know, muttering nonsense. And then uh, Ryder moseys on up to him. And at first, the, the Teen Jesus goes, Nah, get out of here. I don't need you. And he starts to leave. Ryder starts to leave. And then he goes, Wait, I have to piss. No, he said, I have to take a leak. And that part I found to be interesting, that he would willingly be crucified on a TV antenna, but urinating himself is beyond the pale. Well, yeah, yeah. So not only does Sergeant Ryder take the guy's hands away from the TV antenna, but for some odd reason, he's carrying gauze and just wraps the guy's hands up. Yeah, that was odd. He just already had a bandage. <laughs> and then the teen Jesus goes, well, I can't unzip. So Ryder walks over there, and apparently he's not just going to unzip. He's going to take the guy's dick out. Yeah, and shake it. He's going to hold it the whole time. Maybe give it a little love tap. I don't know what's going to go on. You're all right, man. And that's when the, uh, the gunman, who you briefly see crossing the street and going into the building, he appears on top of the building right where teen Jesus and Ryder are. And that's when Teen Jesus sees him and goes, no, and pushes Ryder out of the way. No! And he takes the first shot and falls off the building. And then Ryder takes the second shot because he's laying on the roof, writhing in pain, going, oh, I'm shot. I'm hit. I'm hit. Which is a common theme. Anytime somebody's hurt in this movie, they just tell you how they were hurt while they're in pain. And then the gunman moseys on off, never to be seen again. Yeah, and they never tell you who it is. They do. You just you're not paying attention. <laughs> when, did, when did they tell you who it was? We'll get to it. We'll get. They absolutely do. <laughs> this is crazy. They one hundred percent do. Uh, listen, listen, listen. I don't remember any of this. <laughs> so after this, we're in the medical clinic of Doctor Weaver Kane. And that's another thing I don't get about the movie. They go out of their way to make sure you know the complete name of everybody involved. That could have easily been Dr. Kane. Who gives a shit what her first fucking name is? It had nothing Hello? to do with anything. Makes about as much sense as everything else in this movie. So uh, Kristen, the girlfriend of Sergeant Ryder, Wingshauser, mm -hmm. is seated right next to him. He's on the examination table on his stomach. He comes to and he starts pawing at Kristen and she's, you know, doing the sexy talk and then... 
Dr. Kane goes, hey, 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 let's knock it off. Explains, you know, what happened and Teen Jesus is dead. And, and then Ryder rolls over to admonish the doctor for being a stiff. And that's when Kristen notices this wound in his back, in his lower back. Now I can't wait to get you home in bed. If you don't mind. It's okay. No plenty of time for that. I didn't get me where it counts. What counts is your value to this department. Look, lady, you think you could lighten up? Jesus. What happened here? It's superficial. I'm willing to let you take him home today, but you must abstain from any kind of unnecessary activity. And they just let it go. So then they leave the uh, clinic, and that's when uh, we're introduced to Precinct Captain Quinton. Yes. I guess they're supposed to be teenagers that are walking up this street smoking cigarettes or something. And Quinton opens the door purposely to just to, to slam it against them and fuck with them, and they walk away. And it was just, he walks up to Ryder and Kristen and goes, Scum, it's everywhere. <laughs> Can I help you? Bill Quinton, Sergeant Ryder. I'm your new precinct captain. Sorry I missed you at the clinic. Uh, oh, this is uh, my friend Kristen. Hello. Very nice to meet you. Listen, I'm going to go inside and run you a hot bath. Right. Used to uh, head up strike squad. I still do. <laughs> Captain, I just got shot. I sure as hell don't want to get killed. Sergeant, I'm not going to bullshit you. We're the most effective anti-crime force in the city, and it's high risk. But nobody takes better care of their men than I do. And when you're in strike squad, anything you want, you got. You know what I want? I want the son of a bitch who shot me. That's what I want, Captain. Sergeant, don't no. waste your time. I, don't you that. waste your time. That's what I want, and that's what I'm going to get. I'm going to get the bastard. I'll make you a deal. You join Strike Squad, and I'll get you anything you need to find that scumbag. And what's more, I'll give you my protection. Captain, I got this um, hot bath and this beautiful lady waiting for me inside. Fellas, when I get a good cop, I want to keep him. Well, I think about it. This scene in, in the outside when Quentin introduces himself, two things that I found odd. One, Ryder is there with Kristen. Kristen is fucking hot. Yeah, hot. I don't give you that. Yeah, okay. And what does Ryder do? He, go, he introduces her to Quentin by going, oh, this is my friend. And then when she leans in to kiss him, he like, he like purses his lips and gives her like a partial kiss and then kind of smiles embarrassingly to Quentin as if, you know, oh, like he's a fucking 12-year-old. It was weird. Yeah. And the other thing was, she says to him, I'm going to go draw you a hot bath. The guy has two open wounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. How's he going to do that? His stomach and his lower back. <laughs> How does this work? Can you imagine the water, L.A. water, getting into those wounds? <laughs> some frontier justice right there. Here, bite on this stick, and I'm going to pour some whiskey in after the exactly. bath. Exactly. <laughs> I forgot about that. You don't like, you know, you're not septic yet. <laughs> and this is the scene where Quentin is giving him the hard sell on joining squad. Yeah. And he says some, some things which are provably false as you watch the movie. He goes, nobody takes care of their men better than me. And this guy turns his back on one cop after another without a thought and then goes, boo-hoo, I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Multiple yeah. times. 
Because that's how it works on the tough streets. And here's something I don't understand. Yeah. The guy gets shot on the roof and falls off the roof. Uh-huh. And yet, what is it, like 10 minutes, 20 minutes later, you see him in the jail cell? No, 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 no. No, no. That was the transvestite. Teen Jesus is shot and falls off the roof. Right. Alfie the transvestite. Wearing a dress. No, no, no. No, he wasn't. He wasn't? No. Remember, he he wanted to be a rock star. He wanted to be the uh, Guns N' Roses or something of Little Rock. That's what he wanted. I was going to be so good when I came up from Little Rock, man. Like Van Halen, man. Like the best. The Van Halen of Little Rock. But I got into the life. Started working the streets. Couldn't get out. But then I'd say I'll be forgiven in his true name. You know, man. No, he was dressed up like a, like a, I don't know, a rock star or something. It was Alfie the transvestite who you saw in the in the later scene in the jail cell. Okay. Yeah. Oddly enough, wearing the exact same outfit. Yeah, and it, he obviously he was in disguise. After that, we have a great scene with the fantastic G. Gordon Liddy and the art student dominatrix. So he he has this dominatrix come over, and she's she's what late teens, early twenties. I think it's early twenties. She starts muttering nonsense about art school and blah, blah, blah. And then she goes, oh, I'm talking too much. And then she tries to go into the dominatrix scene. And obviously. Uh, yeah, and he wasn't, she wasn't nasty enough. Chief of Police Miller. He, um, he was having none of it. And you've offended me, you unworthy insect. Now you must be punished. Stick out your hand. Come on, you're not hurting Bad me. slave. I didn't give you permission to speak. Harder, bitch. Harder. What? What was that you called me? You know what the fuck you're doing, do you? What? You're an amateur. I'm your mistress. You'll obey me. You're my nothing. Wait a minute. I'm supposed to do this part. You'll do what I want. Did it. Get away from me. I'll show you pain. Wait, you... you Pain that hurts. You hired a dominatrix. Wait. And the fantastic part where he's threatening her with violence, and he says, I'll show you pain. Pain that hurts. (laughs) 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 And then he starts to strangle her, and you can tell he's really intensely strangling her because the hand around her neck starts to wiggle. It's like the extra was overacting. Yeah, that's, that's method acting right there. After that, Ryder has decided he's going to join squad. It didn't take him very long. It, it took him less than a scene. And we see him driving into the police station in that shitty convertible. Is the movie dated, or was that just a piece of shit car? It's supposed to look like, you know, he's had it for a long time, and, you know, you I know guess, old hot rod kind of bullshit. I guess he was a beat cop, so maybe they don't make a, didn't yeah. make a lot of money back then. I don't know. He's listening to the news on the radio. And there's a quote from uh, G. Gordon Liddy's character. The mayor's race heated up yesterday as the NAACP and the Gay and Lesbian Coalition led the way with other civil liberty groups in denouncing the Miller campaign as extremist, racist, and genocidal. The spokesman for the Miller campaign labeled the opposition as, quote, a bunch of pussies. They're the first to call a cop when someone walks across their lawn, unquote. Now, this is where Ryder walks past the holding cell, and that's where Alfie the transvestite is. He's worth the scum. I said get him out of there now. And the cop yeah, goes. Yeah, I know this one. That's the name. 
he's letting the guy go. I mean, fuck. <laughs> Demean all the way. It's freedom. Yeah, I know this one. <laughs> Did me raw in those sewers. <laughs> There's another pivotal scene that follows here. This is the introduction of the members of Squad, and this gives the M.O. of Squad. And then you have Sergeant Stoddard, who then gives Ryder the Note version of it. Sergeant Ryder, come in. Men, this is Sergeant Arliss Ryder. Sergeant, I'll give you a quick brief, and then you'll partner up with Detective Stoddard. You're not a better man on the squad. Take a seat. Thank you. Our first general order is to identify any and all patterned criminal activity, burglary, drugs, spice, it doesn't matter, and marshal our combined forces. Our second general order is to preempt any potential criminal activity. However, these preemptions must focus on reasonably suspect elements. Just a scum. We've barely got the support of the taxpaying community, and we don't want to blow it. There is no tolerance for accidents. Don't go knocking off the middle class. Or else. But some of the guys that are in there who are the squad members, there's the one guy who looks like he was on Reno 911 with the, you know, the cheesy uh, cop mustache. Oh, him? He had that toothpick jammed into his upper teeth. It looks so painful. And there's literally another guy who's holding a rifle. He is literally masturbating the rifle, the barrel of the rifle. Now, why are they so angry? We'll get there. Okay. <laughs> so after that, it's G. Gordon Liddy's character, uh, Police Chief Miller. Wiggums. He uh, announces his run for mayor. Well, this is it. Where it all began. Right here behind this desk. Sergeant, precinct captain, chief of police. And that's why I've come back here today to declare my candidacy for mayor. And my number one priority is going to be to get back into the streets and into the schools and into any breeding ground where crime and violence and perversion spew forth and strike back. It won't be easy, but it can be done. And the men of this precinct, the precinct that has been the proving ground for the strike squad program, the precinct that has had the maximum impact against crime, they can tell you how to do it. And he turns to Stoddard and he goes, Sergeant, and he's been eating this fruit the whole time, and it's disgusting to watch. But he's got, like, what is that, a peach that he's holding? I think so. And so what do you do with scum? And then he crushes the peach in his hand. And then G. Gordon Liddy's character turns to the journalist there, and he goes, Now, And it, it's, I think the best term for that would be cringe. Yeah, that's where, <laughs> that's where I raise my hand, because I, I don't know what's going on. I think he means crush them. Yeah. That was also at the point where I, I I didn't know what his job was. I didn't understand the whole thing. What they were doing. He was he was a uh, police chief running for mayor. Okay, now see now it makes sense. You should have asked me. Well, I don't need Ritalin. You told me you didn't uh, tell me all that. We haven't spoken about it. After that, now we have writer's time with Stoddard, and Stoddard is the grizzled veteran of six months on the strike squad. Yeah. Stoddard just starts talking about how he has this power and he can sense the scum and he knows where they are. And writers being dismissive of him like, yeah, yeah, that's cute. You right. see this out here? This is the jungle. And I'm the baddest son of a bitch in it. Right. What, you think that's funny, huh? Yeah, well. Yeah, well, let me tell you something. When I'm chasing down some scumbag, I don't stop at nothing till I get him and I always get him. 
Not unlike a Mountie, then. Oh, screw the Mounties. The Mounties are pussies. I'm talking about squad here. You see, in squad, you start to sense. You what? It's like I know where the scum is at. I can smell them. You know what I mean? No. Well, I can't explain it, but it don't matter anyway, because they ain't no match for me. And I'll tell you something else. My power. You what? Getting... What's the matter with you? You deaf? No, I just... I said my power is getting stronger all the time. Well, that's, uh... That's good. And then they show up at this neighborhood, and Stoddard just starts going straight towards this one place, and he's being followed by Ryder. Ryder's trying to stop him. And, eh, this is scum. Rules don't apply. Bingo. What's wrong? Can't you feel it? Feel what? It! Stoddard, man. Who are you doing? What the hell you think you're doing? You're gonna get us busted. Son of a bitch, let go. Now look, man, we got rules. We're cops. We just don't barge into people's houses. Look, I said let go. Bullshit, man. I'm not going down with you on this. Then you go down with this. Man, this is stone. war. You stone. You understand oh, that, rookie? Jesus, come on. This is human garbage. There's no rules. There's no talk. There's no bargains. You got it? Yeah, I got it. Come on, man. Started. God damn it. Stop! And then he walks into this house, goes to a bedroom, and there's a guy with this fat chick all tied up, and he's just standing over top of her going, Aah! and I guess he's supposed to be a rapist. Stoddard walks in, he's got the shotgun. Now, if he had just shot the fucker right there, everything's fine. But he hesitates. The bad guy jumps through a window. He's wearing like a loincloth or something. Nothing on his feet. He jumps through a window, glass everywhere. He starts running down the sidewalk. And Stoddard starts firing his shotgun. So you have the rapist on the left. You have a, an Asian gardener on the right. Stoddard fires the rifle one time, and both of them go down. And then he keeps firing, and uh, he, he didn't seem to change the trajectory of the firearm. So then both the bad guy and the, uh, the Asian gardener are dead. At this point, Ryder just gets 911. He's screaming at people. You got two dead people. You're upset at the guy laughing at you. Yeah. The next scene takes place in the house with Kristen and uh, Ryder. Kristen is chopping up meat like it owes her money. Just angrily. <laughs> Just hacking at it. There's a phone ringing. Nobody's picking up. There's news playing in the background about about stuff going wrong in the city. And there's Ryder just kind of staring into the distance, smoking a cigarette, drinking a beer. So Kristen finally picks up the phone and she goes, are you here? And he takes the cigarette and he puts it in the ashtray and then he pours beer on top of it to put it out. Which, I don't know, seems a little low rent. Uh, okay. Couldn't you snuff it out? It's a waste uh, of beer. Yeah, okay. it is. It's a sin against humanity. And he has these visions in his head of Stoddard and something wrong. You can see them on the screen. He ends up going over to Stoddard's apartment, and they find him, and he's dead on the floor, just inside the bathroom. Two things happen I found interesting. As soon as Ryder walks in, the phone is ringing in Stoddard's apartment. Somebody picks it up and goes, Stoddard, you got the wrong number. Captain? And then one of the first of many times in the movie, where one of the characters is talking off mic and you can barely hear them. <laughs> what's this, uh, what's this about? That's Stoddard. What happened? Took himself out. Did what? 
took himself out. Why? Which I thought is a really high-quality high uh, movie-making right there. Put a fucking mic on the motherfucker. You can't afford two boom microphones? No. See, you did it right there, too. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> See, I was, I was, I was demonstrating. So it, it turns out that Stoddard killed himself with an ice pick. Which is not a good way to go. Well, I think it would be considered self-harm. Yeah. So just as Ryder turns around and walks away, the sheet that had been atop the body is pulled back, and you can see that he was also picking at the wound in his lower back, just like Ryder had in that first scene with the, the doctor, where she says it's a superficial wound. Yes. That is what we call, in movie making, foreshadowing. Yeah. Write it down. Because then you know something's not right. And the, <laughs> the other thing in this... <laughs> is where Captain Quinton starts arguing with Ryder that Stoddard had to kill himself. He shot an innocent person. How could he go on living? He had to kill himself. Our entire program depends on the support of the people. He knew that. He knew that. Bullshit. He had to kill himself. You sound he had to. I'm sorry, Alex. It's just that... It hurts me. It hurts me personally to lose a single man. We're fighting against such bad odds. Now, if you heard that, would you stay for one minute? No. It really doesn't make any sense. Is this when the black guy flips out? You mean Joker? Joker's coming up. He's the black cop? Yes. I didn't know his name. Joker Tatum. No. Oh. And just so happens, the next scene is the introduction of Sergeant Joker Tatum. Joker Tatum. Now, Joker... Man on the edge. Joker, you can tell he earned his nickname because he laughs maniacally constantly. He's never funny. He never tells a joke. He just laughs maniacally. You could have written one or two jokes for him. Maybe a knock-knock sure. something? Apparently, they've known each other for a long time. He reacquaints himself with Ryder, who is sitting on the hood of his car. He grabs him, pushes him down onto the car, and puts a gun to him. Odd way to reacquaint yourself with another human being. Yeah, that's not being friend. I can't condone that. They start driving the streets of Los Angeles, and Joker is laughing maniacally everywhere he goes. So they pull off to the side of the road, and he points across the street to this little cafe. And uh, right outside the cafe is what he calls his snitch. And this is Raton. Hey, all right, come on, that's enough. <laughs> I love this job. No good. Watch me. Over there. One with the red. My snitch. You think he knows anything about a shooter? He better not. <laughs> Raton is going to play a major part in the movie. Raton, an interesting th thing happens. He's talking to these two chicks who I, I guess are wayward souls. They don't have anywhere to go. And he's giving them food and he's going, I'm going to take care of you. And he's just squeezing the tit of one of them. And then all of a sudden, Joker comes up behind him and grabs him. And without taking a look, Raton goes... He somehow knew it was Joker. This begins the sexual assault against Raton by Joker. 
who is constantly making homoerotic conversation. And he takes Raton in the back of the police car and he puts his hand right on his crotch and begins stroking him with his thumb. Did you see that part? Yeah, another thing doesn't make any sense to me. I love this piece of work. I appreciate what this hell is supposed to don't. Nice clothes. Nice hair. Oh, yes. Nice beard. <laughs> I love to jump in myself. Can I return? Can I? Huh? I'm going to jump just tight ass. Joker. What do you want, Joker? What do you want, man? And then he, he throws. How could that be okay with anyone? <laughs> I don't know. It, it was a crime. <laughs> so nothing okay about it. He takes Raton out of the out of the car, and uh, he's telling him, "You got to give me someone. You got to give me something. I don't have anybody." And this guy Raton is just doing an impression of Cheech Marin. <laughs> That's all it is. Yeah, basically. It was just uh, Cheech from Cheech and Chong. Sergeant Joker, to you, Raton. Sweet Sergeant Joker. All right, all right, Sergeant Joker. Sweet Sergeant Joker, man. Anything you want, man. Anything. I want you to give me a shoot-up. You know I don't deal with that kind of fail, Sergeant. Come on, you know I ain't got nothing, man. You know, man. You know I'll give you my all, man, if I had it, man. Don't pull my dick. Hey, man. I ain't got nothing, man. Then give me a sleeve to jump on her. I'm going to jump on Joker, you. Joker, Joker, far enough. Come on. Don't tell me shit. Don't you love me? God damn it, give him something, man. Don't you give it to him. He'll take give it, it to him, you son of a bitch. Fuck more from you, son of a bitches. All right, man. All right, I give you somebody you could jump on, man. But you ain't playing fair, Joker. You ain't playing fair at all, man. This ain't how it used to be. So Raton finally gives some information. You don't hear what it is. After that, Ryder goes to visit Dr. Kane unannounced. Unannounced. She is standing there next to the ex- examination table, and she's Completely got... Completely naked. No, she... Come on. Okay. <laughs> she's... <laughs> She is hooking something up that's electrical because it's got the electrical wires that she's tying around right around her neck. What we're going to find out is that Ryder has a device in his back that she put in there, the doctor put in there. Mm -hmm. What this device does is it turns his impulses that would normally be tempered by the rules of civility and makes his impulses more animalistic so he becomes more violent. And that's what's happening to all of these cops in squad. They're all having this device. That's why they're behaving in the manner that they are. That's why Stoddard just starts firing willy-nilly. I'm assuming Joker Tatum always laughed like that. But that's what's going on. Here's what I think that device is. That device that she's hooked up to herself? Yeah. I think it's the same device that she's putting into the cops. But she's essentially using it to masturbate. (laughs) She's getting off. In the closing scenes, she's literally in a bathroom stall getting off using this device. So when she puts it into the cops, she turns it up for the violence. On herself, she's turning it up for the self-pleasure. And that's why at the beginning, when they're getting all uh, affectionate with one another, she gets offended by it and goes, can you please? Because she's apparently not getting the dick. So Joker and and, uh, Ryder are riding along. It's nighttime, and they're following the lead that Raton gave them. They pull over, and they, they know who they're looking for. But Joker decides he's more interested in the prostitutes in front of him. One of them is Bernie. Out of nowhere, these two Asian street criminals appear, and one of them just starts talking shit to Joker and to Ryder for, for no apparent reason. Hey man, didn't jam these hoes up for, man, huh? Jealous. Yeah, I'm jealous, chump. Because, you know, 
I don't do number eat, sleep, rest, dress my best. Get holes and horse fan my bro and doors. Keep faggots and punks off in my trunk. You trippin' on chunk. Watch the man. Oh, what are you gonna do? Kick my ass, fuck face, huh? You know, I ain't about to romance, I'm down for the fine ass sucker. You know, before you mess with me, you'd rather have sex with a hungry lion or walk through a black Muslim temple with a pork chop. Joker doesn't take this well. He gets out of the vehicle. He grabs the one that's, that was doing the talking, throws him on the hood, and begins to dry hump him. <laughs> <laughs> really grinding in, too. The other one takes off running. So Ryder starts running after him, goes down a, an alleyway. And this is when Ryder has that same sense that Stoddard had. He somehow knew where the bad guy was. So he rounds a corner next to a dumpster, grabs the guy, pulls him out, pushes him to the ground and begins kicking him in the gayest way I've ever seen a man kick anybody or anything. His hands are above his head as he kicks. Of course. You've got no leverage. <laughs> <laughs> It's the dumbest way I've ever seen anybody kick anything. So then he, he brings the runner, he brings him back, and Joker is still humping that poor Asian street criminal, just grinding into him. I think he finished. Ew. And so they take him away in the scene ends. You never hear anything about those two guys ever again. Ryder goes back to Dr. Kane and he says, I need you to look at me. I, I went animalistic last night. I don't find anything external, but to be sure, I'll schedule another x-ray. I think you should know that uh, I was chasing this kid down last night and all of a sudden I went animal on him. I started going for the kill. The body has every capacity to respond aggressively. It just needs to get the right message. Seems that's what's happened to you. A large part of our brain works to buffer messages of threatening stimuli frustrating our ability to connect to our deep animal responses. Just imagine if we were able to transform those messages, to take them from the deep animal part of our brain, recharge them and send them back, oh, then man could become this unstoppable fighting machine. So this scene was fantastic, where Joker has been given information by the, the Asian street criminal that he was dry humping on the hood. He's been given information that Raton is the shooter. You were asking about that before? Yeah. Who the shooter was? It was Raton, who later oh. admits it. Yes, he, he did. shot the guy on the TV antenna. He shot everybody. He shoots everybody. Everybody. So the cops right, that, that are in squad, teen, uh, teen Jesus, Ryder, everybody, he's the shooter. Now, when you see the shooter crossing the street in that first scene with Teen Jesus, when he goes up to the roof and shoots, it's somebody who has the build of Wingshauser, <laughs> not <Yeah>. Raton. <laughs> but still, apparently Raton did it. Uh, the stunt double had to do something. Ryder goes into this restaurant to get some food, and he leaves Joker in the car. Joker immediately gets out and runs to this little booth, and Raton is banging a chick in there. How he directed Ryder to go to this one location so he could find Raton he was looking for, I don't know. But magically, Raton is there. Raton is fully clothed, so apparently he just has his junk out through the fly. Joker pulls him out. As he's being pulled out, he's dutifully tucking himself back into his pants. Zips up, very gentlemanly. Joker takes him, throws him down onto the pavement, and then climbs right on top of his crotch and sits down. They're lying, man. They're trying to protect themselves. 
Did man. you see that? They told me yeah. you, you are shooter. I think he was grinding, too. Yeah, I believe he was. <laughs> and he's talking about sweet Raton. <laughs> <laughs> I want to. I want to hear that you love me. <laughs> Tell me something, Nancy. <laughs> he's saying, you know, you were ratted out, and he takes this long wire he's holding, and he wraps it around one foot. Get in the car. And that's when uh, when the rider comes out and pushes What's him off and says, here? "Get in the car." So while Ryder is talking to Raton, saying, "Hey, man, you got to give him what he wants. He's going to keep going after you." Joker then takes the under end, other end of this wire and wraps it around something underneath the car, gets in the car and just drives off and starts dragging the tone on the street. Now, I don't think it would take very long being dragged on pavement before you would reach skin, regardless of the thickness of the suit jacket you're wearing. Or the wire would come off underneath the car. Yeah, anything would happen. And you can see as he's being dragged, he's obviously on top of something. <laughs> he's not being dragged on bare skin. And in one scene, you can see he has what appear to be rollerblades on his feet. <laughs> yeah, he's like one of those mechanics creepers. Dragged for a little bit, and then it sh- goes to a shot of Raton, and he just has blood all over his face. His face hasn't been touched by anything, but he's got blood on his face. Right. His back? Fine. So then Joker drives him uh, onto a side street and drives straight into a... Uh, telephone booth where there's a civilian there the civilian a very good job by the stunt guy i don't know how far they went but rider is just runs up on top of him in seconds they had to go a few blocks and rider's there in seconds well he's a supercar yeah apparently because he has a thing in his back and uh, he goes and looks and immediately knows the civilian is dead so then the uh, the security camera shows up again and and the guys taking the video go this is getting out of control just <laughs> just take the video so we can get out of here. And what's on the video? That they is never later in the movie, Ryder comes upon the video. One says Tatum. The other one says Stoddard. And it has the footage of them killing a civilian. Then it has the footage of them killing themselves. <sighs> okay. You should call your doctor and get a prescription. <laughs> <laughs> I never remember them playing this video. Ryder did. That's another scene that's fantastic and makes no sense. None of it makes sense, but... So now the whole squad is dead, except for... Uh, There's only two. Chicklets O'Hurl hand, the, <laughs> the main guy. That would have been a better name for the character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna go talk to the captain in a completely unintelligible way. You can't understand a word he says. Hey, Captain, let me make it spit for you. <laughs> They should have got Mr. Ed. He would have been more clear to listen to. Or maybe they should just put some peanut butter in Wingshauser's mouth. Yeah. (laughs) So we know what happens after that, because uh, Quentin's already said it before. Joker killed a civilian. He has to kill himself. He had to kill himself. He has to. Right, he has to. So, of course, that's what happens. Now, initially, all you see is Joker just running around, acting like an asshole. And then you see him hitting himself with a knife or an ice pick again or something. I don't know. And then you just see him fall. Later on, you get to see what really killed Joker. Do you know what really killed him? No. He falls face first into a hot grill, and he burns his face and upper body to a crisp. (laughs) But doesn't have the wherewithal to stand up. Nope. Nope. <laughs> now maybe he was already dead. I don't know, but he definitely cooked himself. 
After this, there's a little more sermonizing by Reverend Money, where he says that sin is in various places, including the buttocks. Where is sin, Reverend Money? Where is sin, they ask me? Sin is everywhere. But where is it most of all, Reverend Money? Between the legs. The legs, Reverend Money? Yes. And the loins and the buttocks but sex is good reverend money ain't it good i don't know if you knew that (laughs) (laughs) that morning shit is a sin matt yeah (laughs) so uh, a little fast forward through a little section Ryder is banging his chick and she gets all freaked out you never know why she walks out of the bedroom that's when the sheets on the floor out of nowhere right in the hallway Which I yeah, guess like is, all of a sudden she's afraid of him. And what happened? I don't uh, know. I would guess he bit her. <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to keep he his teeth in. He's a sugar cube and he about took a finger off. <laughs> <laughs> that scared me. <laughs> Uh, so Ryder then goes to goes to quentin and he says you know i want out and quentin that selfish bitch oh arliss no don't do this to me not now not when the entire strike squad program is hanging by a thread captain you're not the one whose old lady won't have anything to do with him you sure as hell not the one whose partners keep ending up butchered. Lawless, I promise you, whatever happened to Joker, whatever happened to Stoddard, it's not gonna happen to you. I promise you that. You promise? Yes! Don't do what? Quit. Quit his job? Yeah, he doesn't want to be in squad anymore. Isn't that the source of their entire tension? (laughs) He doesn't want to be it anymore. He wants to go to being a regular cop again. All this aggression is what was causing the problem with the girlfriend to begin with, right? <laughs> so why don't quit this squad and then everything will be fine? That's what he wants to do. Oh, well, all of a sudden she's the idiot. <laughs> so then he goes back to the doctor and he needs her release from squad, medical release, so he can go back yeah. to being a regular cop. And then she starts giving him shit about it. Why a doctor would give a shit, I don't know. So, Captain Quentin says you're considering a transfer kind of a critical time now, isn't it? But with all the violence out there, public criticism of the program, he needs every good cop. Is there anything I could do to change your mind? Just give me my release right now. Very well. But I still want that x-ray. No, I don't think so. It's not necessary. It is if you want to continue with the department. And so he relents, and so she takes that device again and runs it down his back, and that again turns up the violence within him. Because every time she runs that instrument over that device in his lower back, he becomes more violent. Well, okay. Starting to make more sense? I had no idea why she was doing that. (laughs) 
So after this is a few scenes with Bernie, they just keep going back to Bernie for some reason. Because she's hot. She's not bad. She's still alive. Yeah. Still alive. 62, by the way. I know. She doesn't look bad for an old bro. No. I wouldn't fuck her, but you would. You say it like it's a bad thing. <laughs> only for her. <laughs> uh, yeah, only for her. <laughs> so he's trying to ask questions of her about Raton. He picks her up and they drive away and they go in this alleyway. She said some vitally important things in this scene. The things that really shed light onto what's going on. My boobs are fake. Why would you get droopy breast implants? I don't Because <laughs> some guys are into that. <laughs> like a tennis ball in a sock. Oh, look. <laughs> he says he's looking for Raton, and she says, haven't you guys done enough to him? Four months ago, my partner, Joker Tatum, was shot. And I think your goddamn friend Raton did the shooting. What? First of all, that little shit is not my friend. Really? Really. And second of all, if Raton did do it, he only did it for somebody else's money. And what's him blowing away a nothing cop? For somebody else's money. Now, at first, you're inevitably going to think currency, cash. I think that's wrong. Somebody else's money is reverend money, M-O-N-Y, the preacher. Uh, that's why they gave him the name money. So the main bad guy is the, the preacher. They eventually turn on him, too. So uh, I, who is the main bad guy? I don't know if the main bad guy is actually in the movie. Could be one of those things where you never get to the top. Yeah, I see. But I do think that's I think that line directly relates to the street preacher and not to cash. Why else do you call the fucker Reverend Money? Uh, yeah, yeah. So just as Ryder and uh, the whore, just as <laughs> Ryder and... Jeez. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's Reverend Money coming out in me. Somebody's got some, uh, some question. <laughs> Just as Ryder and uh, Bernie are about to kiss, this dude, this shirtless guy, jumps up onto the hood of the car, starts yelling at them, spits on the windshield, and then licks it up. An interesting move. And then goes, come on, let's fight. Bernie's trying to tell Ryder, it's not worth it, don't do it. Come on, we got something going on here. Ryder gets out, and the, the shirtless guy's got a knife, but it's nothing for Ryder. He's been, he was just turned up on the violence scale by the doctor sure. the day before. So all he does is just grab the guy and pound his head into a wall a few times. Then he falls onto the, to the ground, and it's done. It's not much of a fight. And then uh, he turns, and, of course, Bernie's long gone. Now, to reinforce— the end of Bernie? Oh, no, no Bernie goes on to, all the way to the end. She does not survive. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Spoiler, <laughs> the hooker dies. <laughs> I've never seen that before. Usually they get married and live happy, happily ever after. Sex is pornography in the flesh. Sex is stench in the nostrils of the law. You cannot dabble in sin, and you cannot dabble in sex. Satan is never satisfied. Until he has utterly destroyed those who succumb to his temptation. And that's followed by this particularly creepy scene, and it doesn't make any sense. In this run-down shithole city, Ryder enters the police squad steam room. The steam room. <laughs> With two dudes. There's Captain Quinton, and then there's Captain some, some other who's, guy. Whose mustache is a crime, by the way. <laughs> That's a 70s porn stash if I ever saw one. 
I've never seen anybody with a crease in their cheek like that. It's amazing. It is. You could hide contraband in that crease. So Ryder comes back and, you know, now he's his violence has been turned up by the doctor. He's committed an act of violence for some asshole. He was about to get it on with Bernie. So he's he's all back in line with squad. He wants to stay. Captain? Yeah. You want to see me? Oh, Ryder. Good. Take a load off your butt. He's all right. It's okay. How's he on? My arm is uh, fine. It's good. All right. That's your request for a No, let's, let's just, just forget that. I'm staying. Listen, nobody wants you out on those streets more than I do, but unless you feel right... Yeah, you don't understand. That's where I belong. I belong on the streets. I mean, that's, uh... That's where, where I belong. All right? Is that all? All right. And so he leaves, and then it's... Gigo and Liddy's character is the other guy who was covered up. And, See? You can speed up the recovery. It's okay. Nothing about that great impression? Yeah, it was fantastic. Thank you. Uh, I could. I thought you were playing a movie clip. <laughs> <laughs> and the next scene, we find out something very important. Did you know that Kristen, the girlfriend of Sergeant Ryder, did you know that she was a world-class kickboxer? No, I did not know that. Yeah, you could never tell. All she does is kick a heavy bag a couple times. I, I was reading about the story. Oh, yeah, she was in her gym. She owned a gym or something like that. I guess. She was in a gym. Because she wouldn't let him in. But, yeah, I was reading the story about the making of the movie, and, yes, the character is a world-class kickboxer. She okay. banging on the door demanding a carrot. <laughs> 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 and make it a big one, not one of the baby carrots. Yes. <laughs> this is my serious face. <laughs> Don't try. I can't do happy. <laughs> <laughs> the smile doesn't translate. Yeah, world-class kickboxer who's afraid to open the door. Just and kick him. All she does is just kick the bag a bunch of times. What do you want? What do I want? I want to know why you're not home. That's what I want. Well, why aren't you home? Can we just cut the crap. You come outside, we'll talk about it, and then we go home. Right? Oh, and what then? You don't need me. Everything that you want is out there in the streets. And right now, everything that I want is right in here. That's bullshit, and you know it. Forget it. I said it's bullshit. You hurt me! And if and when I do decide to go home, I don't want to see you there. All right, can we just calm down? Can we, don't you walk away from me. Don't you walk away from me! Kristen! God damn you! Kristen! And one of several times where he takes a, a lit cigarette, which he never appears to smoke, and he throws it in anger, which yeah. is a little wasteful. <laughs> Shit was still expensive in 90. And, of course, he leaves and she walks over, kicks the heavy bag a couple times, and then has a cry. Yeah. Again, a simple solution. Just quit the, the police force. We don't even have to do that. Just go back There's... to being a street cop. Yeah. Again, for some reason, they return to Bernie. They can't keep of away course. from this whore, uh, prostitute. Because. Now, this time, Ryder fucks her. What? Yeah, he, he fucks her in a dirty alleyway. Of course. On the hood of his police cruiser. In a dirty alleyway. He's a romantic. You, you did see her boobs. Or did I uh, hallucinate that as well? No, you saw him. And of all the tits to see in that movie, you want to see Kristen's. Those things are beautiful. I've, I've seen the cleavage. 
I've seen half of them. (laughs) (laughs) Earlier in another scene, she had said, don't go after Raton because there are guys much higher up the food chain and they're in the S&M and they take you in the back door. She didn't mean it that way. (laughs) And so Ryder starts saying, you know, these S&M guys, give me a name. Who is it? And she goes, you don't want to know. He takes out his gun and he puts it up to her face and says, you know, yes, I do or something. She then takes the barrel and puts it in her mouth. Man, you think we're all just like animals you can use whenever you want. Well, some of us get free. One day I'll get free. So, Compared to my junk. I'm gonna say, I don't know if he actually fucked her or not. Maybe he was mushing it. No. <laughs> I don't know. Why won't this work? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then Bernie the hooker goes up to G. Gordon Lee. No. What? Kristen does. That's later on. Then, out of nowhere, Bernie gets out of the car, and there's Raton, who uh, Sergeant Ryder has been looking for. Now, Raton is Oddly enough, he lived after being drugged by the car. Oh, yeah, easily. But here, they're trying to depict it in reality. He is wearing a suit of gauze. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he's showed up dressed like the mummy. Yeah. (laughs) Everything except his face. That's the only part that had blood on it when he was being dragged. So Ryder gets out of the police cruiser. Raton sees him and starts to run. So Ryder starts running after him. Raton pulls out a gun and starts firing. The first shot misses. The second shot hits Ryder, who continues to run just as fast. Yes, because he's a super cop. They make it down an alleyway. Ryder catches him, grabs him, throws him to the ground. The gun goes off to the side. And they're right there in front of Reverend Money and his little street congregation. But he wasn't there. Who? Money. Yes, he was. He was there sermonizing. He wasn't even in it. Matt, I watched the movie I 15 only fucking times. on the TV. Matt, I watched the movie 15 fucking times. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me you're more tired of this movie than me. <laughs> no, I watch it again. Oh, jeez. Now Reverend Money, who was delivering a sermon, is looking at them. He begins speaking in tongues, while Ryder, with his gun drawn straight at Raton, is telling him, I know you're the shooter. No! No, no! Are you? Are you? Yes! Yes what? Yes, yes what? Yes what? crazy, man. I didn't know what I was doing, man. I swear, man, I didn't know. I did it, man. Who paid for it? I can't, man. Who paid for it? Who gave the order? God damn it. Who gave the order? Who gave the order? Who gave the goddamn order? Money for fucking cops are crazy, man. That's right. Who gave the order? Miller did, man. Fucking Miller, man. Miller. And he gives up Miller. Miller told him to do it. And that's when the preacher tells Ryder, all right, leave. And Ryder just turns around and walks away. The Reverend Money turns to um, Raton and says, Come, sinner, come. Come, my son. Wash in the waters of everlasting life. Wash and never look on sin again. Your ass. And that's when Reverend Money, who for some reason has a uh, gallon container of gasoline next to him, <laughs> yeah. opens it up, throws it onto Raton, a couple of good splashes, for some odd reason, there's a torch nearby. He's handed the torch, 
and then he sets Raton on fire. Then burn in the fire! Burn to the burn! And this, another fantastic scene, Raton is burning alive, just flailing his arms, and this is what he says, I'm burning! (laughs) Yeah. I guess that's for the visually impaired. Yeah, so he was really rethinking that bodysuit of gauze. (laughs) (laughs) That tinder? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Couple other people get flame on him. Just before the scene ends, Ryder goes back to the clinic because he's got a gunshot wound. And this is when he notices that the medical clinic, Dr. Kane's medical clinic, is on the opposite side of the street of Chief of Police Miller's mayoral campaign offices. Which never seemed to bother him before. I don't think he ever noticed because he never, yeah, <laughs> you never see you him look in that direction. That? So he goes in and she sews him up. Gives him some oats. <laughs> 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 brushes his mane and tail and uh, sends him on his way more violent than before i thought it was amazing they had a feedback his size yeah it's <laughs> a big head on that man so he's saying he's got to go tell his captain she said no you go straight home so Ryder leaves he gets into his vehicle and he's looking over at miller's campaign offices there and he sees the doctor cross the street and go over. She's there for a couple seconds. She leaves and she drives away. And that's when that van pulls up. You hear that same sound effect before of the same sound they used when they were taking the surveillance videos. So you know that that's the surveillance video people. Because most people wouldn't pick that up, including me. (laughs) Well, you watch it 15 times, you pick up subtleties. Then Ryder harkens back to Bernie's comments about taking them in the back door. Not what you think. Yeah. And then Ryder decides he's going to do a little snooping. He has a healing wound in his front and his back. He's just been shot in the arm. So what does he do? He climbs a fire escape. Of course. (laughs) And he just happens to know exactly the floor and office for Chief Miller. (laughs) (laughs) So he goes into the office and he, he opens up one cabinet and there's all this bonded shit in it. And the look on his face is hilarious. (laughs) You you should watch it again just for that. It's surprise and repulse all at the same time. It was his best acting. Yeah. He goes to the cabinet next to him, and that's where he sees the videotapes. It has Tatum and Stoddard. And he watches the Stoddard tape, and he sees the civilian killed, and then he sees Stoddard kill himself. And then he puts in the Tatum tape, Joker Tatum. And that's when you see Joker cook his own face and torso. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, of course. (laughs) Somebody comes into the office, so he hides. The guy leaves something on on Miller's desk and walks out. Wingshauser, or Ryder, he he walks up and he sees a videotape that has his name on it. Doesn't watch it. Find that weird? No, of course not. Now, do you know what it is? Uh, Who knows? Do you know what's on the video? Because the other videos are of the police officers killing civilians. So now he has a videotape of him. And what it's going to turn out to be, as we'll find out shortly, the Reverend Money, when he burned Raton and those other people caught fire, Ryder is going to be blamed for that in part. So that's what that is. Leading off the news this hour is a report of a tragic fire on a downtown street which killed several people and injured 
many others. The incident began when transient minister Reverend J.J. Money went berserk, set on fire a member of his congregation, one Rosie Raton Lopez, an out-of-work-use car salesman. Lopez was reputed to be a key police informant of Strike Squad, the controversy-plagued program of candidate Jim Miller. Also sought in connection with this tragedy is Sergeant Arliss Ryder, himself a member of what is fast becoming known as the LAPD's own hit squad. Elsewhere in the city... So that's the beginning. The only thing missing from that videotape now would be his suicide. Catch. And then there's the manila envelope that has the x-ray, and he pulls it out, and he can see that there's a device implanted in his lower back. And so now he understands what's going on. When she puts that electromagnetic device on him, she's dialing up the violence, and uh, so now he's figured it all out. So now he just has to figure out how to resolve the issue. Right. So he goes back home, Kristen is watching television, and they're talking about how Ryder is a wanted man. Get out of here. They're already Get out! I said I need you. Get away from me. You're crazy! Look at these. Get away from Look me! At these. Look at them! Take it! That doctor planted a device in my back, and it's turned me into a goddamn animal. Cut it out. And she instantly goes, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, is that what it is? <laughs> so the next scene, he's in the kitchen. And now it's the scene from the surveillance video again. You hear the sound effect in the background. And uh, it's taken through the shades of the kitchen of Ryder's house. And he's just throwing shit all over the place. It, it really looks totally ridiculous. Yeah. Just throwing tables and chairs and everything all over the place. And then he takes a knife. He drops to his knees and you hear him. So, okay, the surveillance guys go, all right, the fucker's dead. So they start to walk into the house, I guess, to get more footage. And Kristen is hiding behind the door with a frying pan. Can you think of anything more stereotypical? Yeah. <laughs> That's like a 1940s or 50s sitcom. So she hits the first guy in the stomach, then over the head or something like that. He He's down on the ground. And the guy behind him, Ryder just, he's on the ground like he's dead. He rolls over and shoots the guy. One guy just got a frying pan to the head. The other guy's dead. So now this means that whoever wants to watch this videotape is not going to know how it turned out. They're just going to assume that he's dead because they don't have the videotape itself. Right. And then Kristen's going, you can't do this on your own. I know that's why you're going to help me. So they make their way to the police station. Meanwhile, cut to Dr. Kane. She's in the restroom of the police station. She's got this device, and I'm positive it's the same device she's implanted in these cops. And she's moaning and writhing. She's wearing a lab coat and garters. <laughs> As all professionals should do. And she's making all this fucking noise and in a dirty bathroom stall. I think she may have dirtied it. Ugh. Cut to... Uh, Quentin. Quentin comes into the station and all of his police officers are there, all the squad members. He says, we're going after the scum. We're taking everything out. We're going to clean this city up. I want the streets swept of all vermin, dope dealers, whores, pimps, and any other scum that infests our city. Those are your orders. Strikes one, yourself, the rest of you move back. Then uh, Ryder and Kristen walk into the police station. 
They've heard everything that Quentin had to say. And they hear Dr. Kane making so much fucking noise she's about to finish. They burst into the bathroom and they ruin it for her. <laughs> she didn't get that final O. And your rider grabs her and is like, look what you did to me. You did this to all of this, you son of a bitch. And she immediately rats out Quentin and uh, Miller. It doesn't take her half a second before she rats them out. Miller's the top. What the hell's he thinking, huh? He can wipe out half the city in order to save his ass. Tell me! Huh? You scared to death of my blow-up right in your face, huh? You're the one who should know. You lit the fuse, didn't you? How's it go, huh? How's it go? That? Dr. Kane starts screaming for Quentin, just screaming his name. He runs into the bathroom, gun drawn. Dr. Kane gets loose. Kristen is in front of Ryder, and Quentin tells her to get out of the way. And Dr. Kane's saying, kill him, kill him. You wouldn't want that, would you? I mean, you just come by to clean up the mess, right? Well, let me tell you about your program. It doesn't work. It's out of control. Kill him, for God's sake. Shut up, shut you know what it's like out there. We had to do something. We had to get an edge. And it did work. We could control it. But then she and Miller started to push it too fast. Kill it! Kill it! Shut up! Shut up! Hold it! Hold it! That's when Wingshauser, that's when Sergeant Ryder, shows that he has had the device removed from his body. Turning human impulses into animal ones. Well, there's your goddamn edge! And Quentin's like, oh, so you're going to be okay? Right. It doesn't matter if you can't. And Dr. Kane says, no, it doesn't make any difference. He's still a killer. And we could have made a difference in this city. But well, Quentin won't have anything. He, he holsters his weapon. Kane grabs the weapon from him and tries to kill Ryder, but Quentin gets in the way and she kills him. Ryder then grabs her, throws her into the same toilet stall where she had been getting off. The device falls into the toilet still connected to her. And it's the most erotic electrocution you've ever seen. As you just see these gartered legs just flopping around. It is beautiful. I finished twice. You still there? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I know. (laughs) I expected at least an ew. Well, I'm I'm punch drunk at this point. (laughs) It's only been two hours. I know. I usually go five. I know, but I haven't eaten dinner. My sugars have crashed. Oh, I, I forgot you've got a thing. Yeah, I got a deadly disease. Thank you very much for reminding me. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Jeez. You want some energy? There you go. <laughs> you should eat more often, man. I think I'm mentioning carrots and sugar cubes. I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see how much we have left. Skip. And then they ripped it out of his back, and everything was fine. Ryder and uh, Kristen walk out of the bathroom. It just sounds like a war zone outside. They walk outside, and there's just a stack of bodies. It looks like the people were lined up against a wall and just shot. Yes. And one of them? One of them was the riders of his mother. (laughs) (laughs) And one of them, unfortunately, is Bernie the prostitute. Yes. And don't forget uh, Mr. Hauser's acting coach. (laughs) Well, he committed suicide. Yeah. We should make a movie, and then the title character should be, his name should be Wings Hauser. That's it. Well, he's going to be featured uh, be featured on the advertisements for this episode heavily. Oh, okay. Big giant teeth. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> Chicklet over got ad space on those things. <laughs> so Bernie is dead, but yet we did get to see her boobs. Yes. So not all is lost. She lived for something. Yeah. And the last thing we hear from uh, from her is a voiceover from earlier in the movie where she goes. One day I'll go free. I was like, shit, you could have done that years ago. What she meant was free of syphilis. <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen, Bernie. Yeah. So here's the conclusion of the movie. So uh, what's G. Gordon Liddy's character's name? G. Gordon Liddy. I have to know what it is. It's Reynolds or Ryan or... No? Smith? Jones. Miller. Miller. <laughs> Police Chief Miller is watching the news, and then we see... Uh, Ryder and, and Kristen outside his uh, offices. She's dressed all whorishly. And Ryder's telling her, go to the front. I'll meet you up there. So she goes to the front, and they've got surveillance cameras there, so nobody can get in unless Miller gives the okay. Right. And, of course, no one saw him drop her off. Oh, no. Because they yeah, only have surveillance cameras right at the door. <laughs> Nowhere uh, else. Yeah. <laughs> that would be wasteful. Taxpayer money. So these guys with machine guns at the front door, they say, uh, now you can't come in. And, and Kristen goes, he's expecting me. And she looks up at the camera. And of course, Miller just lets her come in. Of course. So she walks into his office and she's putting on the uh, dominatrix routine. A lot better than that art school student. Then it was the best part of the movie. She's admonishing him for something. Turn around, pig, against the desk. Faster, pig. You better know what you're doing. You to be smart with me. With you. You'll never do it again. You'll never talk back to your mistress. Say it. No. Say it. Yeah. Say it. You'll never make me. You'll never do it again. Say it. Say it. Say it. Yeah. Say it. <laughs> yes. 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 I'll never do it again. I'll never do it again. I'll never do it again. <laughs> It's the greatest. Yeah. And then, of course, Ryder, who's more hurt than he has been in the entire movie, still mm -hmm. climbs the fire escape in record time. Of course. So he's got the surveillance camera, and he videoed that last part where he's cackling in delight with the, uh, the supposed prostitute behind him. And he's like going, ah, we got you now, fucker. And then, uh, you know, a fight ensues. Miller knocks out Christian because she's a world-class kickboxer. Yeah. And then Ryder runs off and goes up to the roof, and Miller follows behind him. So Ryder is on the roof, slinking around the corner, staying in the darkness. And then Miller, who brought a whip with him, who doesn't have a gun. It's amazing. There's nothing of firearms around him. The fucker doesn't have a gun, but he has a whip. And he's above Ryder, and he whips him around the neck and starts choking him. And then Ryder pulls on the whip and pulls Miller down onto a satellite dish. So then Ryder goes over to a circuit breaker. The circuit breaker is in the on position. <laughs> yeah, it's already on. <laughs> he pulls it down into the off position. And what happens? Miller is electrocuted. How would you? And how was he electrocuted on a plastic satellite dish? <laughs> With a circuit in the off position. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, 
So then Miller's dead. All the bad guys are dead. Ryder walks up to the edge of the building. Kristen follows behind. They stand there. And then you hear a, a talk show. And this goes to show that Miller might not be the top of the food chain either, because like everybody else, the media says he killed himself. Everybody's who's uh, on the bad covering side commits suicide. Yeah, covering up. And then gloriously, finally, the movie ends. And I can't believe they didn't make a sequel for that. <laughs> <laughs> the last sugar cube. Yeah. Rider Strikes Back, part two. <laughs> Rider's Revenge. <laughs> Return of Rider. Cookies. <laughs> Revenge of the Rider. Yeah. <laughs> Just go through all the Star Wars movie titles. <laughs> That's the whole fucking movie. <laughs> Review that, fuckers. <laughs> what other movies did G. Gordon make? Or is that the only one? No, I think he was more TV. Yeah, I would I would think so. Airwolf, Miami Vice, The Highwaymen, The New sure. Adventures of Bean Baxter. It's Perry Mason, TV movie, The Case of the Telltale Talk Show Host. Say that fast. <laughs> you just did. <laughs> <laughs> Talk How to host. die on a plastic dish. <laughs> and he was very convincing as he was flopping all around. Well, just like that hand around the art student's uh, neck. Yeah. He's wiggle. That means it's it's rough. Oh, don't forget the very special episode of Blossom. <laughs> <laughs> where he played creepy Uncle Pete. That's <laughs> where he taught Blossom how to put a lighter underneath her wrist and not flinch. Yeah. <laughs> well, Blossom, this is why your middle finger's longer than your first. <laughs> it's a very special Blossom. Yes. <laughs> now that we've uh, finished the review, on a scale of 1 to 10, what would scale you rate? 1 to 10, it would have to be a minimum of a minus 6. Street Asylum. Minus six. Come on, it's better than that. Zero. No. There's no such thing as a zero. All right, if it has to have a number, then it's one. Come on. It's the worst movie I've ever seen. There's no way that's I real. I seriously had to struggle to watch this thing again. You and I watched a Chuck Norris movie literally in Fast Forward. Yeah, and that was better. No. Yeah, half the movie, they were driving from one spot to the next. We literally watched it in Fast Forward. We missed nothing. Yeah, I know. And, that, <laughs> and I'm telling you, that was better. I'm gonna, at least when they finally did pull up somewhere, they started fighting. I'm going to give my rating then. Okay. Watching it one time, four. Ugh. Watching it 15 People times. People are really going to question you. Watching it 15 times, five and a half. I've seen far worse movies. This Can't movie, think of one off the top of my head. This movie was painful. <laughs> The kind of pain that hurts. <laughs> Shut up on talking with Matt Powers and Larry King Guy. Available on YouTube, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Amazon Music, and Audible.